This week, SMB V1 is getting killed. GNU PG, or new PG, however you want to say GNU or new. New PG is getting some updates. The gift of USB. OnePlus 6 has a vulnerability. Vulnerable Android devices. The worst two-factor authentication. Malware on macOS. Jason Wood from Paladin Security joins us for expert commentary this week. So stay tuned to this edition of Hack Naked News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show that brings you the security news each week. And despite popular belief, we do wear pants. It's Hack Naked News. The breach was huge news at the time. Linux monitoring tool. List of affected devices, you can check out the link in the show notes. Ars Technica is reporting that hackers have cracked the Nintendo Switch this week. Tracking people's locations and stuff like that. You'll want to be rolling out updates if you're using Lenovo hardware. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending your assets? Have you penetration tested your public assets? Start 2018 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Welcome to Hack Naked News, episode 177 for June 12th, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, coming at you live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island. Just a quick announcement before we get started. Go to our on-demand material and get your learning on. Some previously recorded webcasts are now available on demand. Securityweekly.com forward slash on demand. You can check out the state of endpoint security or the state of penetration testing. Or both of them, as I would recommend, by going to securityweekly.com forward slash on demand. And now, for the security news for this week. Make sure that Windows Auto Update is temporarily turned off or watch out for what's coming in terms of SMB v1 fixes. The word on the street is the update's releasing today and will disable SMB v1 for Windows 10 systems in the June 12th update. Microsoft had already announced last summer in 2017 that support for SMB v1 uh, protocol on Windows 10 will expire. The abbreviation SMB, of course, stands for Server Messaging Block and is known to be a really, really insecure and horrible version of the protocol. Um, it was designed over 30 years ago. That's version one of the protocol. And especially the Microsoft implementation is considered very error-prone and security uh, critical, uh, or insecurity, I should say, is present in that protocol. Uh, there's a great article, there's a link in the show notes, uh, that states that Microsoft plans that Windows 10 v1803, version 1803, will include that fix. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out. Of course, that's a vulnerability that WannaCry took advantage of, so... Make sure, uh, I don't recommend that you turn off the update. I think you should get rid of SMB v1. However, make sure you go read up on it as it can break certain things. GNU PG is patched to thwart the fake file name uh, vulnerability. The short version is in CVE 2018-12020 is that mainproc.c mishandles the file name and as a result, an attacker can spoof the output 
it sends to other programs. So according to El Reg, if you're a developer relying on GNU PG or new PG, however you want to pronounce it, check the upstream uh, for an update that plugs the input sanitization bug. Trump and Kim USB fan raises eyebrows. That was the headline. In case you hadn't seen it, Trump and, and Kim had the immediate... Anyway, that's regular news. The security news in this article is that while journalists were in Singapore for this meeting, some warned their reporters who received a USB fan that was given to them by the North Korean government. Uh, the fans were part of the gift bag included with a branded water bottle and a local guidebook. Now, the fan was purportedly given out because temperatures were reaching 33 degrees Celsius or, for those of you doing math at home, 91.4 degrees Fahrenheit in Singapore uh, during that meeting. Uh, so uh, I'm curious to see if we get a hold of one of these USB fans to see if there is actually some kind of malware or malicious program on it because all the news reports that I've uh, read about this are pure speculation that there was actually malware on these USB-enabled fans. Uh, I really hope that one of the journalists that were out there and received one of these fans gives it to a trusted security researcher so we can know for sure what was on there and if something was on there, what its uh, potential purpose was. Hackers stole over $20 million in Ethereum from an insecurely configured clients on the internet. Security researchers have been warn warning about cyber criminals who have made over $20 million in just the past few months by hijacking insecurely configured Ethereum nodes exposed to the internet. Users who have implemented Ethereum nodes are advised to only allow connections to the Geth client originating from the local computer or implement user authentication if remote RPC connections are needed to be enabled or need to be enabled, I should say. This is a trend with newer technology that we've seen a ton in the past. Folks, folks rush to implementation and forget to restrict access. We've seen this with S3. We've seen this with Docker firsthand here at Security Weekly. We've seen it with Git as well as other protocols as well. So make sure when you're rolling out new technology, if you think no one's looking, someone's probably looking. The OnePlus 6 smartphone uh, flash override has been demoed. The recently released OnePlus 6 smartphone allows for the booting of arbitrary images, security researchers at Edge Security reported. According to the researchers, the trick is possible using the fast boot image.img feature on the BBK Electronics phone. Even when the bootloader is completely locked and in secure mode, uh, an update is being released soon. Now, I really like the OnePlus 6 kind of on the surface, but the spotty carrier support in the U.S., makes me a little leery. It does have dual SIMs, which I think is really cool. However, uh, if you're holding out for the Pixel 3, or I want to know, are you holding out for the Pixel 3 or are you jumping on the OnePlus 6? Let me know, because I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I'll probably wait for the Pixel 3 just because it'll have better carry support here in the US. Thousands of Android devices running insecure remote ADB service. Despite warnings about the threat, of leaving insecure remote services enabled on Android devices, manufacturers continue to ship devices with open ADB debug port setups that leave Android-based devices exposed to hackers. Usually, developers connect to ADB services installed on Android devices using a USB cable, but of course, it's also possible for the ADB uh, to be wirelessly enabled or just on the regular Ethernet lane if the device has that by enabling the daemon uh, on, uh, at TCP port 5555 on the device. Now, what's interesting about this is that the article calls out 
how manufacturers have left this on by default. However, as a user, you can go turn on this service and you can trust third party packages. Because in order to install apps like my friend told me he once installed Kodi on some of these devices, you have to go enable the ADP uh, port or that's one way to do it. And you have to allow uh, or uh, allow untrusted third party sources on your device. If you've done that and installed some software, you best go back into your Android devices, like even your Amazon Fire Sticks, and turn that stuff off because there is malware out there that is propagating over the network from what I've read uh, and exploiting the, well, I say exploiting, really it just allows anyone to upload arbitrary uh, Android packages, among other things, including getting a shell, which instructions for that are posted on the internet. The Google Pixelbook power button is now a two-factor authentication token. If you own a Google Pixelbook, intriguing news, it appears that this power button can double as an alternative to a U2F or universal second factor token, such as a YubiKey. Um, as the name implies, the, it's the token that plugs into the USB port would typically be external. However, the devices are set up, and I don't believe it's possible today. It may require a firmware update, but the power button is enabled uh, on those Pixel books to potentially provide a two-factor authentication, which, by the way, I don't recommend that you use it because the whole purpose of a second-factor authentication is that it's separate from your computer because it should be a second factor. It's just a terrible idea all around in any case. Uh, a signature validation bug let malware bypass several Mac security products. A years-old vulnerability has been discovered in the way several security products for Mac implement Apple's code signing API that could make it easier for malicious programs to bypass the security check, potentially leaving millions of Apple users vulnerable to hackers. And Apple basically says, hey, it's not our problem, and stated the documentation could be updated and new features could be pushed out, but third-party developers will still need to do additional work to verify that all the identities in a universal binary are the same if they want to present a meaningful result. Basically means all of your favorite or maybe not favorite anti-malware products on Apple will have to be updated to make sure that they can check for this uh, potential malicious code running on Apple devices. With that, we're going to take a short break. Come back with Jason Wood from Paladin Security. So stay tuned. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash HNN. Active Countermeasures. Make every analyst a hunter. Welcome back, everyone, to Hack Naked News. That's right. We are going to do the expert commentary and talk about the Microsoft Red Team that researches zero days with none other than Jason Wood from Paladin Security. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Paul. How's it going today? I'm good. I'm all kinds of messed up because I'm standing today and I'm on a new set, so I'm kind of I'm a little freaked out. I, I like I want to sit, but I don't want to sit. I feel like I need to stretch and move my arms and stuff. I'm, it, I like it. I like it. It's just going to take me a couple of episodes to kind of Get the well, feel. you're carrying it. What's that? You're carrying it well here. Oh, <laughs> you're carrying you. it off well. Yes, it's fun. So I want to hear about the Microsoft Red Team. Yeah, so this caught my attention um, in part because, well, this is related to what I do for a living, right? Doing penetration testing, and that brushes up into some areas of red teaming. 
And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about it in security, about all the different forms that and definitions of red teaming that that people have out there. Uh, some folks look at that as something very specific. You know, when they say red teaming, they, they're, they're aiming towards some specific uh, things that this team is doing. Other folks use it a little bit more of a blanket term for, for anything that's offensive security. Um, <clears throat> so I got interested in this uh, when I saw this article on Wired uh, that was actually posted two days ago uh, that describes one of Microsoft's red teams. And I got interested in particular as I'm reading it because they, what they do and how they contribute to Microsoft's overall security is a little different than, than we may think of in terms of uh, traditional red teaming. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, like I said, folks are thinking about red teams in terms of penetration testers or thinking about teams that, you know, spend months doing operations to, to emulate uh, somebody who's outside the organization trying to hack their way in and using this as a, they're trying to evade the defenders and it's kind of a training opportunity for the blue team. Uh, this particular red team emulates the bad guys in how they go about finding exploits in the Windows operating systems. So instead of being active on the network, looking for misconfigured systems or beaconing out and trying to uh, move data around and stuff like that, these guys are actually looking for zero days in the, the operating system. And you might look at this and think, well, this sounds kind of, you know, haven't they been doing this for a while? Um, but it's actually a fairly new addition to Microsoft. Uh, the article goes on to say that uh, Dave Weston David Weston is the current leader of the team, and he actually started advocating for this about four years ago. Um, quoting from the article on Wired, he's, he was said, uh, David said, most of our hardening of the Windows operating systems in previous generations was wait for a big attack to happen mm. or wait for someone to tell us about a new technique and then spend some time trying to fix that. Obviously, that's not ideal when the stakes are very high. To which I looked at and thought, well, I mean, honestly, that kind of sounds like security as a whole in a number of ways, right? We we wait for something really bad to happen and then right. react. Um, and in this case, these guys are trying to get out ahead of this. And so their time is they spend their their days digging through, uh, through Windows and looking at how bad guys are breaking into systems and do all the crazy stuff that they do. Um, and then how do they, you know, what can they find that's unknown as far as vulnerabilities inside of uh, Windows or the browser or, or things like that that come with the operating system. Yeah, and, and Jason, just a quick point before you go on. Sure. Uh, I think a, a, comp a software company the size of Microsoft, arguably the largest or one of the largest software companies in the world, um, and, and they're on the front lines in terms of attackers wanting to break into the OS. They need, and of course, several years ago, right, they adjusted their SDLC and their software practices They've got now, an, you know, the internal red team. They've got external bug bounty programs. They've invited researchers to Microsoft to help them discover bugs. They're fighting the battle on all fronts. And I think Microsoft sometimes gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons, as we just saw with the recent purchase of GitHub. And people saying they're going to leave GitHub because they don't trust Microsoft. I like the Microsoft of today a lot. I think it's a Microsoft that's embracing open source They've got a fantastic cloud platform that they're putting a lot of great features in in Azure, and they're doing their best on the security side. Look, they've got public bug bounties. They've got internal teams. They've got a great development process. So, I, I mean, I've, I've come all the way around to saying, you know, that Microsoft is just totally awesome. Uh, and we've got a representative from Microsoft coming on the show the day after tomorrow on Paul Security Weekly 
to talk. I believe it's it's this Thursday. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, next Thursday, thank you, John. Uh, next Thursday, uh, Galen from Microsoft is coming on to talk about their Azure Sphere, which is their platform to build secure IoT devices. So yeah. Microsoft just doing a great job all around. I, I think the criticism that they've come under fire, uh, especially recently, is totally unfounded. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward actually to us getting to talk about the the Azure Sphere. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's something when it came up here and we started initially talking about it, I got pretty excited when I heard we were going to have an interview. And having lived through, you know, years past, I understand a lot of the skeptic skepticism and frustration with Microsoft. I mean, he, I, I was a Windows admin, so I dealt with it, right? Um, but yeah, yeah no, things have so changed a at, lot. In SMB V1, if people can criticize Microsoft all you want about SMB V1 and say, oh my God, I can't believe you're turn, turning it off. Dude, way before WannaCry, the owner of SMB at Microsoft, a lead developer or a lead technology person that was looking at SMB said, look, turn off V1. It's bad. Don't use it anymore. That warning came a, a few years ago. So uh, for them to now, and you know, they've come out and said, it's bad. And now they're turning it off. It shouldn't surprise anyone. They've given people plenty of warning as well. So, Yeah, they've been, I mean, that configuration option has been available in Windows for a long time, yeah. right? To turn off SMB V1. So it should have been done already, really everywhere. <clears throat> um, so it's good to see them, to me, torching that. Um, now, one of the things, back to the, the red team here, mm. uh, you know, as I was reading that they're talking about they're hunting for zero days. At first, my reaction was, well, this sounds just like a, a security research team, right? Um, you know, how is this called red teaming? Um, because they're just looking for bugs. But that's really not all that they're doing in this process. Um, one, they are keeping an eye out on how attackers are exploiting systems. You know, how are they doing things like compromising a browser? I mean, this is a prime target since it reaches outside of your organization to interact with somebody else's system, right? Um, and so they start working from that point. Well, if they, you know, if somebody's going to deliver something to a browser, what steps does it have to go through to break the browser's security, to break out of the, the browser sandbox and things like that? And because they have access to all this information as being internal to the company, I assume, they're able to get maybe a little bit more a little bit of a head start on that. Um, but they, they start emulating that path. And, you know, here's what the attacker is trying to do. How do we, how, what can we do here? Let's look at some of the other components around, let's say, the browser sandbox and see if we can find other issues that nobody knows about and get ahead of that. Um, and this has actually resulted in vulnerabilities being patched before the, uh, anybody else, well, presumably anybody outside of Microsoft knew about it. Um, now, they're not under any illusions that they're going to stamp out every bug inside of the, the operating system. One of the team members, uh, Adam Zabrocki, was in the article was quoted as saying, bugs will always be there. We can't fix all the bugs in the world. Um, but they're, they're looking at what the attackers are doing. They're trying to emulate it from that standpoint. But they're emulating it from the side of the attackers are now looking for zero days. And then second, they actually measure the time that it takes them to find a flaw and put together an exploit. You know, kind of the name of the game here is the economics of time. Attackers need to prioritize their time as mm. well. If they can find an easier way to exploit a system, to get some what they want, they'll probably head down that path rather than beating their head against a wall. Um, so as a result, as, as, as they're doing their work, they keep an eye on that time. And, you know, they, they start, start a clock basically ticking when they get going. 
and see, you know, how long is this taking? How likely is this looking that it's going to work and stuff like that? How long is it turning into a functional exploit? If it starts taking too long, then this component may indeed have some issues with it, but the time required is going to decrease the amount of appeal that it has to an attacker. Now, my first reaction as I read about this team was, wow, this would be really cool to be on it. Um, and I'm sure several other folks thought this would be sounds fun too, but you know, it's not all sunshine and shells for these guys. Um, they're, Microsoft is a huge company. You know, we, we've already kind of talked about some of the changes they've had to go through and the time that that's taken and, um, and whatnot. And, but, uh, you, know, it, you know, they are a big organization. They're working to change, but it still takes time. One of the team members apparently lamented that it can take Microsoft sometime months to fix something uh, that both uh, internal and external security research researchers see as an issue, which is no surprise if you worked at any kind of big company. Um, so the, the article is an interesting to read. It really doesn't take you very long to get through. I found it to be a fantastic thing that Microsoft is doing, uh, you know, stepping back in their, their emulation of what the attackers are doing and now emulating what they're doing before they even start to interact with our systems and attacking us. So go ahead and take a look. The, the link is in the show notes. I want to give some kudos to Dave Weston for putting this team together. And Here's to you, fighting. David Weston. That's for right. Creating red fighting. teams at Microsoft. Cheers to I, you, I'm my friend. I'm sure putting this together and selling the idea was uh, a long Not and easy. arduous process. Yeah. So, uh, so good work on that, and uh, you know, it's good to end to see Microsoft doing this and getting that out there. Wait, uh, Ray, trying to emulate what they can, find things ahead of the curve rather than waiting to see what happens next. Awesome, Jason. Thank you so much, and that will conclude this episode of Hack Naked News. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. See you next time.